Welcome to the 52 Academy, a weekly podcast full of new ideas, mindset shifts, and interviews with successful small business owners that will get you thinking and growing your business week by week. I'm Laura K. Sheely. And I'm Emily K. Risch. You can find all episodes of the 52 Academy podcast on our website, 52academy.com, or anywhere podcasts are available. If you like what you're hearing, reach out to us on Instagram and Facebook at the 52 Academy. Coming up, we'll be chatting with Tara Schulte, who has been building her jewelry and fashion accessories business for more than 20 years. But first, let's dive into our weekly success principle. At the 52 Academy, we utilize a unique strategy focusing on one new sales or marketing tactic each week. This allows our students to clear the clutter and really focus on growth. This week, we're going to explore your neighborhood. That's right, bring on the welcome wagons. We live in a mixed system of cohabitation and shared spaces. Even if you are living on a rural farm in Montana, chances are you have your own version of neighbors or communities that you live with. In their book, Make Your Contacts Count, Ann Barber and Lynn Wayman explain how there are six stages in each relationship. I love this book. Listeners, this book changed my life. I need you all to read it because it may change yours as well. It gave me such a new perspective on all the people that are in my life that I have not been utilizing in my business. Absolutely. Um, And I have to say that when I read this book, it really started me thinking about how I could connect everyone in my life back to the services and the products that I was using. So as we get to know people, we move from accidental meeting to acquaintance, then they become an associate, maybe an actor, advocate, but most importantly, we need allies in our life. We can hopefully assume that your neighbors are not accidents. (laughs) At this point in your relationship, you may have only bumped into them on the street, randomly waved, or had a casual encounter to exchange contact information. In many cases, you may be at a level of acquaintance because you know who they are. You know that they may have a line of business and you have a business, and you consider them a friend. The key now is that we've got to take these people and get them to be advocates for our business growth. Sure. So how do you turn these people from neighbors or acquaintances you maybe see at church to someone who's really going to be an advocate, a ambassador for your business, for your service, for your product? Well, the first thing is they've got to know that you're actually in business. <laughs> I mean, I suppose that's step one. Oh, I recently <laughs> had a conversation with someone who sells wellness products. She lives in a great neighborhood where they're hanging out in the garage and they're having barbecues and every kid has a birthday party. And I mean, there's at least 20 families in this neighborhood that she is regularly connecting with. But when I asked the question of, does everyone in your neighborhood know what you sell? The answer was no. And it was the easiest place for us to start in building her network because these people live and interact with her every single day. Was there a reason why she was not being up front or out in front? If you've got a product and you're trying to sell, girl, you have to hustle and make sure everybody knows about it. She just hadn't thought about it. You know, she thought I'm in work mindset and then I'm in home mindset and and never considered how she could combine the two. And that's what... Making Your Contacts Count, the book, really, really helped me with. Mm -hmm. 
Again, we've got to make sure that they know that we're in business, but also try to move them to a place where they're advocating on our behalf. This means that they're going to trust us to perform work in their home. And whenever a service need comes up that you would offer, they're going to be ready with a card or a recommendation to their friends to make sure that you have a business that they're going to be promoting. And that honestly is the ultimate thing you want as a business owner. I have a friend who I go to for every referral because I always joke, he's got a guy. Where I'm like, I need some trees chopped down. He's like, I got a guy for that. And he's pulling a business card out of a drawer because he had a guy chopping down the trees in his yard last week, right? And so that is the sort of word of mouth referral that every business person wants to have. Absolutely. You need your neighborhood to have your cards or have your magnet on the fridge so that whenever your service comes up, they're thinking about it. At the highest level of our relationships, we've got to have allies. Allies are people who are experts on you, the business, and the community that you serve, and they deeply know your vision. People not only have your card when they're an ally— but they have extra cards in their purse because they're actively telling people how great you are. So these are the evangelists. They are so into your service, your product, your business. They want everyone to know about it. This level of relationship requires that you have a high level of confidentiality because maybe you sell products that they don't want the other neighbors to know they buy. (laughs) Cannot be airing out their business. (laughs) That you're always presenting yourself as caring And most importantly, that you're helpful in challenging times and celebrating any successes that you see happening in the community. And don't forget to connect with anyone that is new moving into your neighborhood. According to Brad Kent, the president and CEO of Smart Lead USA, new people who have moved into the community will spend more money in the first 60 days at a local business than those that have lived there for more than two years. And if you think about when you move to a new community, I, as someone who has moved across the country and back again, you land in a new place, you need to find everything new, a new dry cleaner, a new doctor, a new gym to join, a new restaurant to eat at. So when you are moving and you are new to a community, that is an incredibly powerful opportunity for a business person to get in front of a consumer who needs to find all brand new vendors, all brand new service providers. Absolutely. I mean, think about it. They need a whole new community, right? Mm -hmm. So how great would it be if you're the person who introduces them to every possible service that they might need? Being seen as the welcoming leader in your area will position you as a trusted voice for any product that you want them to purchase. So take some time this week to gather all the contact information from your neighborhood or community. Add these contacts to your social selling inventory and design a contact plan to make personal connections at least six times a year. This could be just Christmas cards or having a barbecue at your house or dropping a postcard on all the front doors. Something to keep reminding people that when they pass you in the neighborhood, you're that person that sells that product. And if you need more information on creating your social selling inventory, head on over to the 52 Academy and we'll help you design an inventory that makes sure that people see you regularly in all types of communication tools. Welcome back to the 52 Academy podcast. I am always on the lookout for tips to help our 52 Academy students improve their professionalism. And I came across a great piece in Fast Company the other day about something they call word trash. Word trash? 
Word trash. Word trash refers to words that are basically fillers. Phrases that we unconsciously throw into conversation without thinking about it, without any real purpose behind it. They just are clutter. And so as I start reading through this list, you will see exactly what I mean. I am completely guilty of some of these. Now, the problem with word trash, other than just being annoying, is that it clogs up our communication and it makes our messaging less clear. So we need to toss the word trash and get to the point. Especially now, when so many of us are working remotely, communication needs to be as clear as humanly possible. It is hard enough to communicate effectively via Zoom or conference call, let alone all that extra wordy trash that we might throw in there. Okay, here we go. Top three trash words to weed out of your vocabulary. Number one, honest. If I'm being honest, or can I be honest, or not going to lie, or truth be told. Can I be honest? The 52 Academy podcast is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm going to allow that one. Oh, okay, Um, okay, okay. But... Exactly. So the trouble here is that using honest, honestly, etc. to start every sentence and statement that you make gives the impression that you've been being dishonest all this time. And now we're finally getting real. Truth be told is one that I find myself saying constantly and I need to stop myself. I catch myself saying between you and me all the time. Like I'm sharing some deep, dark secret, or isn't it obvious that I'm talking between you and me? I don't know why I have to start every conversation that way. (laughs) Uh, The number two trash word, hate. As in, I hate to say it, but. Or, I hate to break it to you. You don't actually hate it, but it's just a way to try and ease into giving your, your true opinion, I guess. And again, it gives the impression that you have not been truthful this whole time. Oh, this is a great one. I say hate it all the time. The word hate is such a strong word, and I don't think I really hate anything that I say with it. Word trash number three, just. As in, just wondering if you've decided, I'm just following up, I just want to check on, dot, 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 on and on and on. This is another word that is self-deprecating, like you're afraid to assert your opinion or ask for what it is that you really want, which is something I think a lot of women have to be aware of in our speech patterns. We don't want to seem too bossy. Sometimes we change up what we're saying because we're so afraid that we're going to come off too direct. Well, as a professional bossy person myself, I actually take pride in being as threatening as possible as I can when I speak to people. Girl boss all over. (laughs) But I agree. Using just weakens your message. Be strong. Be brave. Say what you need. Ask for what you need. Put it out there and say it. One trash phrase I struggled with early in my career was, do you know what I mean? I used to just tag it on at the end of everything I was saying. Finally, I had a boss who sat me down and said, I actually do know what you mean, so you don't have to keep checking to see if I understand you. At first, I didn't even understand what he was saying. And then I realized every time I told him something or had an idea, I would pause and then say, do you know what I mean? This was a big moment for me to realize that what I was saying was just a habit. I also found that I kept saying it just to check the other person's level of engagement. 
So there you have it, dear listeners. Throw out these trash words for more powerful communication. This is so great. I'm going to be more mindful of the way that I talk right now. Going forward, I'm going to eliminate these trash words and call me out, M, if I've got any of those flowing through my conversation. (laughs) You can count on me. Listeners, hit us up on social media and let us know of any other word trash you use on a daily basis so we can add it to our list of dirty phrases to avoid. I'll post a full list on our website, 52academy.com. And can I be honest? This segment was amazing. (laughs) Joining us in the studio today is Tara Schulte. She has been building her network in jewelry and fashion accessories for over 20 years. Welcome to the studio, Tara. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. Well, we are so excited to have you. I have to tell you, listeners, Tara has been blinging me out with jewelry for I don't know how long. Every time I go to one of her jewelry parties, you know, I walk away with some new bejangle or some way that I'm going to be blinging out more and more. You got your start initially years back with Premier Jewelry. Yes, that's correct. How did you get involved in that? I was pregnant at the time, and my mom, my sweet, sweet dear mom, is the one that was introduced to Premier Designs, and she came to me and said, I think you should check this out. I said, nope, you're crazy. I would never do anything like that. It's not me. Happy with my job. And the reason she did introduce me to it was because I had always said I wanted to be an at-home mom, and I was pregnant at the time. Completely dismissed it until my first daughter's first birthday. Mm -hmm. And then I kind of circled around back to the company. It was introduced to our family again. And I thought, you know, I'm going to give this a whirl. That was almost 23 years ago now. One of the things that I find very interesting too, you know, just in watching you through the years is you've had this focus around family the whole time. I know, you know, your husband is a baseball coach. Mm -hmm. As his career has kind of evolved and changed, you've really adapted well with those changes and kind of taken the business with you. At one point, I think you even moved from one place to another and took the business with you. Yes, absolutely. And that's one of the blessings I think you can find in any business like this. You can take it anywhere. At the time of that move, I had a pretty successful business where I was. I was very established, had lots of leaders and lots of clients, lots of customers. So when we moved, my kids were two, four, and six. As you said, Laura, my husband's a college coach, and so he's gone a lot. So it's just usually me and the kids. So when we did move, I really had to have purposeful discipline if I wanted to continue what I was doing and to be home with those kids. When we did move, I just kind of told myself I got to basically do what I did in our old area. I always refer to the power of one. It took me one client who I didn't know. It was just a referral in the new area. And that one client that year took me to 60 events. Wow. Yeah, the power of one. It's really kind of a cool thing how it can just kind of change your business pretty quickly. You married into a a big family, right? There's a lot of family connections um, in the community. You've utilized that in a really great way to let them become advocates on your behalf and allies in your business. But I understand that at certain times, people were doubtful. They didn't know if you were the right fit for this sales position, right? How do you overcome that? How do you change, you know, not only your own mindset, but 
their perception of what it is that you're going to do? That's a great question. As I said earlier, when my mom kind of introduced me to the business and I said, no way, the reason I said that was because I was extremely uh, shy. I just wasn't one to, you know, try new things and put myself out there. I look back now and think that was really a confidence issue, confidence level. Good thing I wasn't told this part early on, but years later I had found out, this was after much success in the business, that my husband's family, when they first heard that I was going to do this, do a business like this, they said she'll never make it. Oh my goodness. I know, right? It is a good thing you didn't find that out (laughs) until later. Yeah, because (laughs) I would have probably not done it. I wouldn't have tried it. I wouldn't have put myself out there. You know, confidence just grew and grew. And now uh, I see that in my own kids. I really taught my children, you know, if you want to do something, you just go do it. You never know unless you try. And I actually have one of my daughters does this with me. So it's a family business now. Yes, it is. Oh, that's amazing. Wonderful. Yeah. Whenever I go to one of your events, the thing that I notice is how you use the product to really showcase how you make someone feel with it. The last event that I was at with you, I was, of course, looking through the jewelry and trying to decide what I was going to choose. And you kept reminding me of different pieces that made you think of me. Mm -hmm. I remember there was a a set of pearls that I was looking at. And I said, you know, I'm really thinking about maybe these pearls or thinking about how they would look with certain outfits. And you said, when I see that necklace, I think of you. How has that way that you are able to envision the product on other people helped you to ultimately sell it? It probably goes back to when I started this business, just because my product was jewelry. I didn't wear jewelry when I started. (laughs) I just thought, okay, this business will get me to be an at-home mom. Sign me up. I'll I'll give it a whirl. I guess Mm -hmm. I better learn to like the product. Something for me, the more I wore it, the more compliments I got, which gave me more confidence. So the more I put myself out there, did something uncomfortable, the more confidence I gained. And so I think that is kind of what helps me with other women. Really, I've been a stylist for 22 years and help women with style strategies, stress-free style strategies to kind of get out the door quickly. That comes also from relationships and getting to know your clients and your customers and what they like and don't like. And, you know, dress for success. The way we dress is kind of how we feel. I love that about it. Dress how you want to feel. That is words to live by. No one (laughs) believes more strongly in dressing for success than Laura Kay and myself. We could write several books on the subject. It is very near and dear to our hearts. 20 years in this business, you know, if you think about it, well, 20 years, I mean, the year 2000, which I can't believe that that was 20 years ago. And that (laughs) makes me feel old. But How have you seen both the consumer change over the course of that 20 years, you know, the type of of person you are selling to, and then also the way that you're selling? Year 2000, you know, the technology, the tools that we had available, social media did not exist in the year 2000. Email marketing is much more sophisticated now than it was then. What changes have you seen over the last 20 years? Yeah, lots. I would say I've probably seen more just in the last four to five years in, in our business. You know, when I started, it was, you were, it was still, everything was in person. Mm-hmm. People were getting together. They were shopping, going out shopping. And it's definitely changed in the last four to five years to where, you know, online shopping, as we all know, is a huge thing. And then this year, it really changed to where those that didn't care to online shop 
really have no other option. I've had to really adapt and change myself mm-hmm. just because when you've done something for 20 some years in person right? and, you know, helping women shop in their closets and in their homes and, you know, now to transitioning into virtual. So I've been doing a lot of virtual boutiques online and just having to learn to virtually brand yourself and the virtual marketing. I'm still a work in progress. But it is kind of fun. It's fun to learn. And that's just kind of how you grow and adapt is by continually learning. We have a lot of students in the 52 Academy that essentially are side hustlers. They probably got a full-time gig, but they're also trying to start this business on the side or they're trying to maintain this sort of part-time sales strategy. What advice would you give to some of those that need to figure out how to effectively focus on this for a period of time, whether it be during the week or they have to set a schedule around how are they going to spend time doing their their full-time life and adding in this side business as well? I would first say focused effort. Find something that you really, really love about about that business and just hone in on that, focus in on that. Because when, you, when we try to do too many things, we seem to not do any of them very well. So I always encourage you to find one thing and focus in on that until it's just habit for you, until you just, you really aren't working at it anymore. You're just doing it because you've done it so much. I also suggest planning out your week every Sunday night. I have done that for years. I still do it. If we ink it, we think it. And if it's on our calendar, we typically do it. If we just kind of start the week and just say, I need to do this and this and this this week, chances are you're not going to get them all done. So I always say, plan your schedule out, write it down so you have a plan for that week. And then set mini goals, little goals um, to achieve. The more we hit our small goals, we're more apt to hit our bigger goals. And I agree with that completely. I am a person who loves the satisfaction of checking a box on a to-do list. I have a whole journal where it's like, today I did my 10,000 steps and I literally put a little gold sticker next to that. Achieving even the smallest goals, I think, help. And then you look back and think, gosh, I really accomplished a lot this week. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So Tara, if you could go back to the very first day when you decided you were going to take this leap and give yourself a piece of advice, what would it be? Just do it and have fun and don't overthink it. I love too how you live your brand. You position yourself as, you know, this consultant, this person that's out there living the lifestyle that you portray with the product itself. And I think that you inspire women to not only just want to put on the jewelry, but to also see themselves as a really beautiful person. And so, you know, I I just want to high five you kind of here in the studio for that, because I don't know if you've realized how many people have walked away from the experience with you feeling more confident and more beautiful within themselves. Well, thank you. That happened to me personally when I started. The business made me feel that way. We help women style from the inside out, as, as you just explained. So, yeah. Now, do you have a team underneath you then as well who you are guiding and mentoring? I do. Most of my leaders have been with me for 15 plus years. Oh, wow. I think it speaks volumes about your company Mm -hmm. to have leaders that are still here. And, you know, we've all been through so many seasons of our life with little kids to some of my leaders now are grandparents and have little grandkids. And 
raising your kids to sending them off to college to getting them married to some of them, you know, looking at retirement and they still have this side hustle, mm-hmm. which is just amazing that a business like this can really fit into your lifestyle. Is there any other piece of advice you would give to our listeners who might be contemplating joining a, a company like yours or, or launching a side hustle Any tips or tricks that you would recommend? I would just say find a business out there that you're passionate about. Or as I stated earlier, when I started, mine wasn't necessarily the product. Although I I did grow to love it, it wasn't why I I started. And it wasn't even the income why I started. Mine was to be an at-home mom. So I think, you know, you listeners out there, you could really kind of, if it is income, look at that. If it is the product that you love, check out that. Or maybe it's the causes that your company stands for. And so I think it just kind of really depends on the season of life that someone is in on where they can see themselves. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Tara, so much for joining us here today. I think that what you're doing is tremendous. And I think you've really given our listeners a lot of good advice. Thank you to all of you, our 52 Academy podcast listeners. If you want to join the next cohort of the 52 Academy, please head over to 52academy.com to apply for our next session. All of the ideas, comments, and strategies presented on the 52 Academy podcast are independently presented by Laura K. Sheely and Emily K. Rush. There is no affiliation with their employers or any other business networking groups. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. 